Welcome to episode 828 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Just Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Good morning. How is everybody? We are doing fantastic, and I say we because we have a guest on today. It is the fantastic, the amazing Shelly Verstrait of PitcherList.com. Shelly, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. This is... Uh... I'm just kind of shocked that I'm actually on this podcast. So we listened to this for years, so it's I'm really excited. Well, you shouldn't be too shocked. They allow me on this podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, why don't you tell people uh where you can reach on social media and then a little bit about yourself? Uh yeah, you can find me um on Twitter at Shelly V underscore six four three. And um, I write for Picture List, uh, the Dynasty Guru. I did a little bit for uh, rotographs about uh, prospects last year. So I don't know, you could probably find me pretty much anywhere. Uh, and you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. You can reach uh, Jason on Twitter at Jason Collette. Uh, Shelly, I'm, I'm excited to have you on because we have a ton of news to cover, and then I wanted to kind of talk about some bounce back players and since you know a lot about prospects we got a, a few a few former top prospects i think on the list uh so but let's just jump right into the news uh, and i think the biggest news from the weekend so far is that a chapman has covid so he will be uh, he'll be quarantined he has minor symptoms uh the uh manager has already said it sounds like that zach Britton is the natural fit to fill into that role so Shelly, are you drafting Aroldis Chapman right now? And uh, if not, are you thinking about taking a shot on Zach Britton? Um, I've totally moved Chapman um, just off my board. I really, I just don't really want to have to deal with someone who, especially a pitcher who um, has COVID that we, that we know that has COVID and then has mine, you know, minor symptoms. So he's going to be, you know, two, three, three weeks at the best you know what I'm saying and then he's then he's got to ramp back up and it's just like no nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna like take a chance on that I mean the the uh, Yankees have a absolute stacked uh, bullpen um, so even when he comes back it's probably gonna be slow going so no I'm not taking a chance on Chapman this, this year Jason what are your thoughts are you avoiding Chapman now or are you taking a shot on Britain so I was looking back over all the teams that I had drafted and I didn't end up a Chapman anywhere, uh, but it wasn't really by design, but people were going in. Obviously the Yankees look really stacked on paper. Uh, you want to get a closer that has a team that's going to have a lot of wins. And so I looked through and not there, but I think Britain is the guy because they've already, Aaron Boone's already even openly talked about a five man infield uh, for using Britain. They're talking about having Gardner come in and play a middle in, uh directly behind second base and then using Aaron Hicks and somebody else in the outfield. I forgot what the, how they had it, but I was looking at something this morning where they're talking about the Britain shift and having five infielders because of the insane amount of ground balls he has. And like Shelly said, if there's a team that can absorb a bullpen loss, it would be this one. And not like you want to lose Chapman, but just look up and down that roster. It's pretty disgusting what they have in the bullpen. So it's, uh, you know, the one thing if it's a different club, but they have so many options that they can insert uh, in this from the experience of an Ottavino, a Canley, a Green. Uh, we've seen what Clark Schmidt's doing uh, in camp. Michael King is going to be a guy that's going to work multiple innings. I got Johnny Lasagna coming back. They've got a lot of pieces. And so it's like you shouldn't be freaking out if you're a Yankee fan, if you've already drafted and you've got a uh, Chapman on a few teams. Sorry. 
but yeah, this we know what the, we know what happens with this role in season. This is just one of those factors we have to deal with right now. Yeah, this is going to make drafting saves even tougher because I, I've been trying to stay away from any of the guys that do not have just very very stable roles. Uh, and now we lose another one of them. We've already lost Kenley Jansen to COVID. Uh, so this this is going to be a very difficult proposition. I think we're going to see, like, in the main event, which I start drafting here. I think the first one drafts today, uh, but my drafts are at the, the, the final few uh, of draft season. Uh, we're going to see closers start creeping into the second and third round. I just, I just, yeah, I think it's going to, I would not be shocked to see Josh Hader go in the second round. He's been going my fifth, right? Uh, I've seen him go as high as the third so far. Wow. Okay. So well, I haven't done it. I don't do any Emmys. So that's, yeah, I've everything I've done. He's usually been kind of sneaking in there in the bottom of the mid to the bottom of the fifth. Uh, in fact, I ended up taking him in at least one of the leagues I was in. Uh, but yeah, wow. I'm pretty sure I saw him last night go in the top of a fourth round of a 12 teamer. So like that, that's just telling you he's getting pushed up. And, and I think people are going to be very afraid with losing all these closers that we're going to start seeing guys that would typically go in the 10th, start going in the 7th or 8th, and, you know, closers that have been going in the 5th or 6th get pushed up into that 3rd, 4th round. All right. Well, uh, more news on the COVID front. Uh, Buster Posey has decided to opt out. Him and his wife adopted twins uh, that were born prematurely, and they're going to be spending some time in the NICU and have decided that it is best for their future that Buster Posey does not take a chance of uh, exposing himself uh, to COVID. So, uh, I, I mean, I went through this type of thing. My daughter was born super early and she's now 20 months old and I won't take her outside. So, like, I totally understand where he's coming from uh, in terms of that. It's just, uh, you know, you got to put your family first. But this opens up maybe some options for the Giants who have like six minor league catchers on their 60-man roster, including Joey Bart. So, Shelly, I'll let you start on this one. What's the chance that Joey Bart is actually catching for the Giants this year, and are you drafting him? Um, I'm I'm not drafting him because I, I really don't think that he's going to play, and if, if he does play, it's probably going to be in September. Um, I caught him a few times um, here in Richmond AA, um, and he looked great. Um, I just, I just, I'm just not sure if he's ready yet. Uh, he dealt with injury, uh, two injuries last year, um, that kind of delayed his, uh, you know, promotion to AA, and then um, he got hit. Um, I think on the hand, he broke his hand in the AFL. I mean, he was he was killing it out there. Um, but I just, I just don't think that he's ready. And I mean, sorry, Justin, but uh, your Giants are really not going to uh, play very well this year. So really, what's <laughs> really what's the point of free and Jory Bart, other than everyone wants to see him? I, I love how Shelley just uh, totally tiptoed around that one. It was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. M- m- most guests come on here and they're just like, the Giants suck. Uh, so uh, I completely agree with you. I, I just don't think that he's going to, I mean, uh, for hard Tahiti, uh, the general manager already kind of came out and said like, he needs a lot of work still. He, he was supposed to go back to double A to start the year. So, uh, Jason, are, are you buying any giants catchers? 
Sure, you were nice to Shelly, but you gave me the middle finger emoji when I said this blows the Giants' chance of the playoffs. <laughs> I got it. I, I got it. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't want any of these catchers. I really don't. I mean, it's – and uh, the rookie catcher thing, we don't have to look back. I mean, it, traditionally, you just look back at rookie catchers, and it's such a struggle for just about all of them. You have some exceptions every now and then, but even last year – Remember where we all were on Danny Jansen, uh, and that took until about September to materialize into, hey, that was a good pick. Uh, but those, you know, the first few months obviously were tough. So uh, even if they were to come up and say, hey, Bart's coming up, it's just with everything else you got to do as a catcher, as a young catcher, it's just the odds are stacked against you. So in this case, whoever they put in this lineup is going to hit eighth anyhow. It's not like, you know, with Posey, he was hitting high in the lineup, and he was going to be a run producer. But you, whoever they're going to put now is going to hit eighth. Uh, and he's going to be at the bottom of the lineup, and it could be a rotating a bunch of veterans and pass. Yeah, and I, and when I said that the Giants had six uh, uh, catchers in camp, I, I was not being hyperbolic. They actually have, uh, they actually have now five now that Buster Posey's out. So like, yeah, everybody's got that many too. I mean, even the Rays have got uh, Chris Herman, Kevin Smith, Michael Perez, uh, Mike Zanino. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> so I, everybody's got a a collection of guys uh in camp and that's just kind of the way to go you you got to uh um play the odds and see how it's going by the way uh on on hater he has gone as high as 29th this month in drafts yeah see then that's wow. the back end of the second round in a 15 teamer so uh that that is uh yeah it's it's gonna get crazy for closers out there uh Let's talk about Aaron Judge. Uh, so for some reason, I wrote that he had a stuff neck, but it's actually a stiff neck. He had to leave the uh, inter-squad game last night uh, because of it. Uh, I am completely out on Aaron Judge this year. It just I'm not in, in a shortened season. I'm just not willing to take the chance that he's going to miss two weeks or a month of the season, and then you're going to end up having to draft him or sorry, drop him. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on Aaron Judge? Is there any chance he could end up on a team of yours? Uh, he, the only team he is on, because uh, I'm I'm done drafting. I'm not doing mm, anymore. Okay. But I did, I do have him in a local league, uh, and if somebody I, I traded for last year, as I knew I wasn't going to make the playoffs, so I was aiming towards 2020, dealt for him. He was going into his final year of his contract this year, uh, and so that's why I dealt for him. But that's the only team that I had him on. I really didn't see his market price adjusting. Too much. I remember uh, labor. The pricing was a little better, uh, but then by the time we drafted Tout, he was back at full freight. Uh, so I think that's where my memory is. But yeah, I didn't like where the price was. But the only one I had him was in a keeper league. And if I were redrafting, I, I would leave it like that because it's you know there's been a problem. He's now he's getting towards Stantonitis or something. I expect Stanton to have something uh, go wrong this week too. But is you know, there's there's too many there's too much. Uh, too much smoke here in a short season. I can't take chances. And if I'm going to spend what it takes to get a guy like this in the middle of that lineup and then lose him for, uh, for a week, two weeks, that's significant. Yeah. For, for frame of reference so far in the, uh, online champs, uh, or online championship, uh, sprint, which have just been drafts that have happened in, I believe like the last, uh, two or three weeks. Uh, there's been 19 drafts. His current ADP is 62 going right behind Nelson Cruz at 60 and in front of uh, Victor Robles at 63. So, Shelly, any chance you would take a shot on Judge? Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, uh, um, like Jason was saying, I mean, you, you 
with this really kind of sprint, this really short season, you need players who are going to play. And Judge is just way too risky. I, I would definitely not take um, – he's definitely not going to be on any of my teams. All right. Uh, the biggest uh, rumor going around right now is that the Baltimore Orioles have reportedly made a trade offer to Yasel Puig. Uh, Puig has uh, just been waiting for things to open back up so he could sign a contract. But there are some teams reportedly that are waiting to see if a season will actually start before they really engage with him, uh, which is a bit scary for, uh, I think, everybody. Uh, but if uh, Puig were to end up in Baltimore, Shelley, how interested would you be in him? Um, not really that interested. Um, I mean, uh, the the Orioles aren't uh, really that great either. So he's going to hit, what, clean up? And uh, who's he going to drive in? I mean, I don't know. And who's going to drive him in? I mean, I maybe, you know, you'll have like some home runs because, I mean, balls just fly out of Camden. But I, I still would not really be that interested, even if he does uh, land in Baltimore. Jason? Uh, I have him in Tout Wars. You know, I took a $3 flyer on him in Tout because I didn't like any of the other options at the end of the auction. Uh, and so I need him to sign in an AL club. Baltimore would be a great place. I mean, he may hit 10 home runs and drive in 12 runners. I, uh, and, <laughs> but that's, it's a great, obviously we know right-handed power hitters going to Camden is always fun. Uh, and so I, I would like to see him go there, but I'm surprised maybe he can get some signs somewhere this week. I think, uh, to make the running joke on Twitter, this is a big week for baseball, but this is a big week for people holding uh, holding Yasiel Puig on their team, hoping he signs in a single league format uh, because we need to, we need something to happen here soon. But if he ends up in Baltimore, he plays every single day. And if he hits in the middle of the lineup, it's still you can fall in a normal season. You hit cleanup in a bad team. You're still going to drive in 80 runners. So prorate that you figure he can drive in 30 to 35 uh, and possibly hit double digit home runs. So I would be extremely intrigued with him in Baltimore. Yeah, I'll be intrigued, especially considering the price. I mean, right now he's uh, currently going uh, a pick 209. Now, obviously, that will shoot up dramatically. I, I would I would expect him to move up a good 30, 40 spots. Uh, but that's still, you know, if we're talking about in the 160s, we're talking about in the same places, Edwin Encarcion, um uh, the catcher, Will Smith, uh, Chris Davis with a K. I mean, those are still guys I really like, but Puig has a ton of upside. Uh, and so I would be interested. I just I just don't know. I just don't know if I believe it's actually going to happen until after the season starts. I, I tend to kind of believe some of these uh, reports about owners not wanting to sign, you know, kind of newer players, a uh, player like Puig. Uh, until they know there's actually going to be a season. And then how long does it take him to get ramped up? Does he have to go into a quarantine before he joins a team? Uh, a lot of questions. So I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm definitely waiting right now until he has a team. But once he does, then I think I'd be willing to take him around pick 140, 150. It's kind of crazy when I look at in the same the online sprints you were looking at. Uh, he's two oh nine with the ADP, high of one fifty one, low of two sixty seven. The start looking down outfield. You know, there's Brian Anderson at 233. There's Shin Chu Chu at uh, in the 240s. And it's like there's more intriguing names down. I'm surprised people are reaching for him as much as they are, given that he doesn't have a job and he's going 
well out in front of guys who have jobs who we know where they're going to hit. Like Chu's going to hit at the top of the Texas lineup in a 236, and then Brian Anderson 233 is going to hit the middle of the Miami lineup. It's like there are there are more established safe pass forward that are going two plus rounds later than a guy that you're just hoping something clicks here before in the next seven to ten days. Yeah. Uh, another guy that uh, I think a lot of people were hyped on coming into the season was Yon Moncada. Uh, and Moncada has been uh, put on the IL with undisclosed reasons, so I think we can all just assume at this point that that likely means uh, he has either come into contact or tested positive for uh, for COVID. Uh, Shelly, what are you doing with Moncada? I mean, this is a guy that has been going... In you know the top four rounds in drafts this year, are you uh, staying away from him as well? Um, I I I, uh, I actually would probably uh, actually try to draft him. Um, I was like really really high on Moncada this year. Uh, I just a lot of actually just a lot of the White Sox hitters. I'm really high on the White Sox and Twins. Like those are the the hitters that I really try to target. And even if it takes him like maybe a week, maybe he was misses a week or so. Um, he still is probably going to, you know, move into the, the second spot hitting right behind Tim Anderson. And then hitting behind him is a Brayu Grandal in incarnation and then, um, Eloy. So, I mean, that's a, a great place to be. So I would kind of gamble with Moncada just cause I like him so much. Jason, what are your thoughts on Moncada? Uh, it was on my it is on my TGFBI team, uh, so need that to come back. I, I'm with Shelley. I really like Chicago in a shortened season. And I've talked off the, openly about how much I love the offense, almost from top to bottom. Taking Moncada out of it's a hit uh, because the bottom of that lineup uh, eight and nine look a lot like the Charlotte Knights uh, that I get to see play here with Danny Mendick and and uh, Lurie Garcia, uh, guys that I, I've seen play here the last couple of years. Uh, but you know they can they can mix and match pieces to see what's possible, maybe. Uh, I don't know. They've still got enough thunder in the lineup, uh, but I'm still concerned about the starting rotation overall. Uh, and obviously the bullpen has got some issues, but if they can hit their way through it, it's a team uh, outside of my favorite team. It's the team I'm most intrigued to watch this year in a short season, assuming when we get all of it, because I really love the balance of youth and veteran experience they have in this lineup and how deep, I mean, they can go at least six deep. Moncada gives them seven deep, uh, which is and allows them to compete with the Twins. Uh, the Twins are still the favorite, but this White Sox team, anything's possible in a 60-game sprint. Uh, and But they're going to need Moncada at some point here to make that happen. Yeah, there was there were rumors, uh, or actually not rumors, Lucas Giolito said they expected Yalan Moncada back pretty quickly, but that was three days ago, and then they've since put him on uh, the IL. They also He also said that he expected Michael Kopech to be a big part of what they're doing this season. Uh, and then Michael Kopech has opted out. Uh, what do you, Shelly, you play a lot of Dynasty Leagues. Uh, you kick my butt and one uh, in particular that we're in together. Uh, so what are you doing if you have Mon, or sorry, uh, Kopech on your Dynasty League team? There have been some concerns about how serious he's uh, wanting to take baseball in general these days. Uh, so are you trying to sell on him right now or you, is this a time to buy? Um, I, I honestly do think that it's time to sell. I love the dude. Um, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be a while, um, that he's actually been in like a major league game. Uh, it's been over what, over a year since he's had to CJ, he did not, you know, pitch at all last year. And now he's not going to pitch this year. It, it, 
and then how many innings is he going to get, you know, this, uh, the next year and then the year following, like it, it just scares me. And I don't know if we'll ever see like a full workload from him. Um, so if someone's buying, I'm totally selling. Jason, what are you doing? Michael Kopech? Uh, I, I was avoiding him going back to the full draft season. You know, you guys know about my thoughts on Tommy John pitchers. I want them. You know, I want to wait two full calendar years until I want them back on my team. And with him having that surgery in in September of 2018, in a full season, back in full season draft time, I was avoiding him. I even avoided him in a short season time. But to echo Shelley's uh, concerns, there, he's going to have he's going to have gone two full major league seasons without pitching now. It, it, from September of 18 when he got hurt uh, at two plus the calendar years without throwing a major league pitch uh, in a game. That's if you try to pull up a search of, hey, who's done that successfully? You're not going to find a lot of success stories. Uh, the problem is, is like how what kind of discount are you willing to sell them at? Because you know, when you went to go get them, it, it depends on what you've had. If you've had them for a while at Dynasty League pre-injury, then you're there already. But if you've picked them up here in the last year where you got them on a discount, it may not be as painful to move him at a discount. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some bounce back players. Uh, these are guys that uh, disappointed last season, and some people in the industry are are back on board. Some people are not. Uh, let, and we're going to start with Corey Kluber, a guy that I have been outspoken that I do not want to have anything to do with coming into the season. He is going at Brown pick ninety one in those uh, online championship sprints we were talking about. So, Jason, what are you doing with Kluber? Are you willing to take him? He just had a fantastic outing through uh, six innings of uh, uh, six innings, only uh, walked or did not walk anybody, only let two hits, struck out nine. Uh, but apparently he got to he, he got through six innings so quickly they actually added outs during the uh during some of the innings so he could get to the 80 pitches uh so is this time to buy back in on Corey Kluber I'm glad you said where you're at because I felt like I was out there on an island myself it feels like as a market everybody is like oh back on Kluber and you and me are on like on the other side of this and so one of the things back when I was doing the bold prediction series back in January I said you know my bold prediction was he would earn below $20 in a mixed standard league and that may sound like uh whatever but on paper in the past five seasons, 34, 21, 32, 47, and 35 dollars. That in his full in his full seasons before we saw the abbreviations. So he had traditionally been money in the bank, um, if you will. But if you look at the declining fastball velocity, uh, it's a bad pitch. He's got to throw more sliders really to be that's his best pitch, and he should really lean on it. And he has been doing more of that. But I don't like the trends that I was seeing. I did not like his market value. His ADP, when I wrote that, was 88 with a range of 61 to 108. I did not end up with him anywhere. Uh, and if I were redrafting, I still wouldn't be. Shelly, are you drafting uh, Corey Kluber? Um, I am not. I am totally behind you guys. Um, I I just, just what I've been seeing from him like the last couple seasons. I mean, if you just look like at a stat line, it doesn't look too bad. But if you just... There has just been a few like blow up starts and it just could kill you, especially in like a head to head league or something. And I'm that is what I'm scared of, what I saw the last, you know, couple of seasons. So and especially you said ninety one is his ADP. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. He he's I, he's sandwiched right now between Frankie Montas and James Paxton. Yeah, I would definitely want those two way before mm -hmm. Kluber. 
Yeah, and I, I'm likely gonna move him up in my ranks, but that's only because I had him so extremely low. Uh, and part of that will be guys who have gone in front of him, who have tested positive for COVID, guys who have uh, opted out. Uh, but I had him 45th. I still can't see him moving him up into my top 30. It just and and at that at that ranking, there's no way I'm going to get him in a draft this uh, rest of the season. So uh, there will be no uh, Corey Kluber's on, on Justin Mason teams this year, as I speak in the third person for some odd reason. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a guy I used to love quite a bit and is now going extremely cheap. Uh, we haven't heard any injury uh, news about Gregory Polanco at this point, and so that should mean he's ready to go. He's going at pick 283 so far in the online championship. So, Shelly, is this time to buy back on Gregory Polanco? Yeah, I, I, I really think so. Like, I've loved this dude for years, and uh, he's, you know, killed me for years because, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. But I was I was kind of, you know, doing some research this morning, and uh, during the break between, you know, the spring and summer camps or whatever we're calling it, uh, he went back uh, to Miami, and he was just, uh, you know, doing some uh, PT and just, you know, trying to increase the strength and mobility of that shoulder. And he says he feels nearly 100%. And there's no pain. There's no tightness. Um, so I, I'm back in on Gregory Polanco, especially at, at that price. Um, and hopefully he doesn't burn me again. <laughs> I hope he doesn't burn you either because I'm right there with you. I, and he is going so cheap. If you wait on outfield, which I think is a very viable strategy, uh, especially in, in deeper mixed leagues this year, uh, there's like a, a a list of three guys that I really like in that spot um, going right next to each other. So Domingo Santana going at pick 281, uh, Shogo Akiyama going at pick 281, and then Gregory Polanco going at pick 283. So three guys going back to back to back that, you know, you can wait on that fourth or fifth outfield spot, grab one or two of those, and still have a backup if, if the guy you've been kind of waiting on uh, goes a little bit earlier than you expect. So Jason... Where are you at on Polanco this year? Uh, back in, I targeted <clears throat> I targeted him in the uh, in the off season, uh, traded for him in an NL keeper league where we have one fewer outfield keeper spot. The way we do the roster, I still went out and traded for him at the price coming off the discount. You know, last year he came back ahead of schedule from shoulder surgery, which were two red flags for me. One, you guys know my feelings on shoulder surgeries, and then when a guy comes back ahead of schedule. Uh, and he tried to play through it, then he re-injured himself, and then things fell apart. But I think it, this is a guy that really benefits from the universal DH because now he doesn't have to play the outfield every day. Uh, and coming back from that shoulder surgery, having gone through three of them, two on my throwing arm, the last thing you want to do is rush that back. And, and your the arm strength's never the same. Uh, so the fact that he'll now be able to do some DHing and not have to play in the field every day should be a plus for him and allow him to stay healthy and keep that shoulder healthy because he's got he needs that uh, in order for hitting. You can't it, hitters and shoulders. It you may everybody associates it with throwing and stuff, but it also affects your back as we saw with him uh, last year and even in 17. So that's really where I was interested, you know, taking his time, this time off. All of these things point uh, in positive directions for him, and I'm pretty excited to see what he can do this year. Do you think that Gregory Polanco's had a scooter issue? <laughs> Probably the only thing he hasn't had. <laughs> Another guy coming back uh, that is looking fantastic so far in Red Sox camp 
is Nathan Ivaldi. It, it sounds like he may even be the opening day starter because they've run out of options at this point. Uh, Thrown 100, it's a short season. Shelly, I know you're a Red Sox fan. How psyched are you on Nathan Ivaldi? Uh, I, I'm pretty psyched. Um, I did watch that in a squared game that, uh, he threw a couple days ago and he looked good. Um, and he's probably the, well, he's not probably, he's the only pitcher that I'm looking forward to pitch this year. Um, I have, I have a thing with Erod and I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't like Erod. I know that I'm a Red Sox fan, but I just don't like him. He's just so frustrating. Um, I can't have him on my teams because it's like, if I have to watch him, you know, frustrate me when I'm watching a game. I don't want him to doubly frustrate me because he's on my team. So I just, I, I'm really am stoked uh, for Nathan Eovaldi. I'm just hoping that it's the 2018 version and not the 2019 version. Jason, uh, are you interested at all in Eovaldi? I mean, I know you said you've drafted all your teams, but in some of your mixed leagues, he might still be out on the wire. So would you go run to pick him up? He still could be. Uh, I ended up with him in Tout Wars. Uh, is the only team I ended up with him there, but because I really like the price on him, and uh, unlike Shelley, I do like the entire Boston pitching staff because most of it's terrible, and I love that. Uh, <laughs> so th- that's where. But in all seriousness, with the Evaldi, what I if utilized properly, yeah, I know he's going to be the opening day starter, but you know, this is something I'm writing about for my latest thing at RotoWire. But you look at. We've never had, you know, with the percentage of wins going at the distribution, last year 42% of the wins went to relief pitchers. And we've already seen so many managers out there talking about how they're going to do things differently this year. You know, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Atlanta talking about tandem pitchers. Orioles saying nobody's going to go above 85 pitchers for the first couple of weeks. You know, these managers want to utilize these extra pitchers that they're going to have for the first few weeks of the season, the 30-man roster, the 28-man roster, and they want to take advantage of it. And so it's like there's there's a story to be made here, especially with the Evaldi. 18 and get out and you look at his numbers and that and it, it backs it up the longer he stays in a game the worse it gets uh and so but he can be really good uh if he is protected like that so let him do 18 20 get him out and now if they if they decide to leave him in longer than that uh it's Renicky managing the club this year right Shelly yep it is okay so uh, and Ren- we don't know what Renicky's trends are because he's never he hasn't uh he's been a bench coach or whatever so we don't know what his trends are but I'm very intrigued with the Evaldi if he is protected, if he's left out there to soak up some innings, not so interested. Yeah, I think uh, I'm interested in him as well, especially at the price. I mean, the uh, the chance that you could get a guy that, you know, they'll need to rely on a, a fair amount, especially with uh, Rodriguez, I think, still on the COVID list. Uh, you know, and what kind of electric innings he can provide when he is right. Uh I just think there's so much upside, and especially considering uh, he's currently going like I believe outside the top, uh, yes, outside the top 250. He's going to pick 266 uh, currently. Other pitchers in his area uh, are Mackenzie Gore, who I love, but we don't know what his uh, role in the rotation is going to be. Uh, Giovanni uh, Chirinos, uh, Miles Mikolas. Uh, all in that area, Emilio Pagan. So, I mean, guys that don't necessarily jump off the page as you as studs, uh, we've seen Yavaldi be a stud before, so uh, I, maybe he can do it again in a short sprint. And Cole Hamels is going in front of Yavaldi. That one has to be explained to me. Uh, I don't understand. I was, I mean, <laughs> Paul and I got into an argument when we did our uh, our starting pitcher ranks. because Wait, you guys got into an argument? 
it, it's surprising, right? We always right? seem to, to to get along um, because uh, I ranked. Let's see, I ranked Cole Hamels ninety fifth, I believe it sounds or it looks like um, in my starting pitcher ranks, and, and he got he he thought that was way too low. But this is exactly what I was, you know, worried about with Cole Hamels is that there'd be another injury pop up, and all of a sudden you're holding the bag. So I, I had him pretty low. So we, we probably should have covered him in the news, but yeah. He's done for, I think, at this point. Let's uh, let's move on over and talk about Carter Keeboom. Carter Keeboom is uh, still considered, I believe, a prospect at this point, uh, but he was one of the top prospects in all of baseball coming into last season. Had a you know very small sample uh, of a call up, eleven games, forty three plate appearances, hit two home runs, but batted one twenty eight, two oh nine, two eighty two. Uh, and now it seems like a large part of the fantasy industry has completely written him off. Uh, he's uh, already been kind of given a vote of confidence as the everyday third baseman on the uh, on the team, uh, he, that, which means he'll gain third base eligibility starting with shortstop eligibility in leagues with 20-game eligibility rules. Uh, so, Shelly, are you interested in taking a shot on former top prospect Carter Keeboom, who's going at pick 290 right now? Uh, totally. Uh, 290. That that's 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 a really really good value right there. Uh, Keyboom is definitely he's my boy. I I I really really do like him. Um, and I mean, uh, Russell Resources has him projected hitting six. Um, I I, I kind of think that he could probably move up in the lineup. Um, going throughout the season, but I mean, this guy. Uh, don't pay attention to what you saw like last year. Uh, they they put him at shortstop and it totally got into his head. He really is not the best shortstop. Um, and moving over the third, um, he's just going to be more confident and uh, he's he's just really good. So at 290, uh, that's that's a steal right there. Jason, are, are you a fan of Carter Keeboom? 22 years old last year was 23% better than the AAA league average at 22 years old. And 20, most 22-year-olds are playing A ball. He did that in AAA. I, I don't understand why a small sample size of 43 plate appearances is is diminishing his overall value. Uh, depends. I, ha, I have not seen. It's like he seems to be one of the first rookies off the board. Uh, back I'm thinking back to drafts in February and March. He was one of the ones that people were saving money for late in auctions to go grab him before the reserve round. So they, uh, it, you know, that way they knew they could control it. Uh, but that, but that, real, that always stands out to me when guys are two to three years younger than their competition and are doing exceedingly well. I'm not going to let 40 plate appearances uh, uh, over uh, override the 500 that he had in AAA. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm actually in a main event qualifier. Uh, draft right now, and I am three picks away. So uh, at 246, he's going to be my next pick. And I can say that because even though people in that league listen to this podcast, I'm not going to post it till after that pick is made. So <laughs> <laughs> at least he's going to go right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and that's been happening this whole draft. Like right in the like I think right in the middle of the second or third round, about three guys in in the chat in the draft room was like, hey. It's Justin from Sleeper in the Bust. I know all the guys he likes. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so it's been it's been quite a brutal draft, and I've used a, uh, an extreme version of the strategy I'm kind of prepping for in uh, for the main event. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely been it's been fun, and I, I do like my team, but it, it, it's been a bit brutal. 
Um, so yeah, but uh, I believe in Carter Keboom. I think these are the kind of prospects I love to buy in on. These are the guys that, you know, come up, disappoint in a short, you know, short sample or even a, you know, longer sample uh, in their first year. And then people just completely write them off. Uh, and so, I, you know, you know, a lot of pedigree. He can obviously hit. He's got a little bit of speed. Uh, and he's going to be hitting in one of the best lineups in baseball in the Nationals in that Beast East where you can beat up on some pitchers. So uh, I, I love Carter Keebum a lot this year, and I've already gotten him in a number of drafts. Uh, another guy I love quite a bit, another guy that Paul and I disagreed on quite a bit, was uh, Garrett Richards. Coming off of the Tommy John surgery, only pitched, I believe, eight innings last year. was not a good eight innings, but uh, so far it sounds like he's doing fairly well in camp. So, Jason, what are you doing with Garrett Richards? I'm a perpetual sucker for Garrett Richards. Uh, and to and to go back to the, the Tommy John two-year thing, the his surgery happened in July of 2018. So we are now at the two-year period where I'm very interested in him uh, being on the roster. That said, I was even drafting him. I want to say I ended up with him in more than just one. Some of the mocks that we've done, I've taken him. Uh, but in my local league, another guy that I acquired in the draft in March because the price, I think I ended up paying like three bucks for him. Uh, so that's where that's where that particular came to play. But I, I like everything there overall because, again, perpetual sucker for the stuff when you see him pitch. He's also working on he's been working with Chris Paddock on improving his own changeup, watching what Paddock has done with his changeup, which gets me interested. And then plus. I love the San Diego bullpen. So if Richards is going to be one of these guys, it, you know, wins, quality starts are going to be a disaster across the fantasy industry this year for the most part. But if he comes, if he gets in there and then comes out and he's got that super deep bullpen behind him to help protect things, I just, I love the situation he's in this year. The park, the bullpen, uh, the offensive support that he's got. So maybe if he can get five innings, but the, everything's back on paper for him to look really good because the last year we saw the velocity was back. That was yay. But uh, if you watched him pitch, you could see the command, but that's that's what happens when guys, before they get to that two-year period, and then things start clicking in, looking at Darvish and Bassett last year is two good examples of that. So uh, I, if I were redrafting, uh, I would be pursuing Richards. I probably should ask Shelly, are you doing any more drafts uh, this season, Shelly, or are you done? Um, I have one more draft. It's just kind of one that just didn't draft um, in the spring. All right. Is uh, Garrett Richards a guy you would be targeting for that draft? Uh, yeah, he actually uh, he actually is. I mean, uh, everything that y'all said. Uh, I mean, I totally agree. And then, I mean, this is like his last year with the with the Padres, so mm -hmm. they're probably just gonna just like just let him go and maybe rest that awesome bullpen, you know. So maybe he does. Maybe he can get a little bit more wins or a quality start here and there more than someone else. But, uh, yeah, I'm really high on uh, Garrett Richards. Yeah, coming into last season, they knew he was not going to pitch pretty much the entire season, that he might only get a few innings at the end like he ended up doing. And they still gave him a two-year, $15.5 million contract in order to guarantee they had him for pretty much just this year. This is the year that they had been planning on going kind of all in on uh, for a playoff push, and I think Garrett Richards is going to be a huge part of that. I believe they've already said uh, that he will have no limitations to his workload, and in a shortened season now, they're just going to ride him until that arm falls off. And if the arm falls off, then you ditch him for someone else. But, uh, I mean, he he's such a value right now, and 
he's never really even been bad. He's just been hurt. So when he's on the mound, he's great. Going to pick 240 right now, right behind Wade Davis and Alex Wood. Give me all the shares of Garrett Richards this year. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about a guy who uh, I haven't been on. He's coming back from injury, but the reports of his bat looking amazing in camp are starting to get me to turn around on Miguel Andiar. Problem with him is, where does he play defensively? Because he is atrocious everywhere. Uh, and they've been moving him all around the diamond in spring training and now in summer training to try to figure out a spot because Stanton's, uh, you know, deteriorating calf won't let him play the field and he's going to need to be the DH probably most days. So, Shelly, are you taking a shot on Miguel Andujar? Uh, I, I really, really want to because I love that bat. The dude can hit. But like you said, where is he going to play? And I honestly, I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, if Judge is out for a bit, Maybe you can move Hicks over to right and then Gardner to center because Gardner has a, a, a kind of a noodle arm. Uh, and then, you know, maybe Andahar can play left. I, I, I don't know. I just I just I, I love the bat. He's just going to be too frustrating to figure out where he's going to play, uh, especially in something like a weekly uh, lineup uh, league. He's just going to be too frustrating. So I want to, but. Nah, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, that was the ultimate decision for me in this draft that I'm doing right now, is I had kind of the choice between uh, either Andujar or Nick Solak for my UT spot, and I am going with Solak just because I feel like even though he doesn't necessarily have a set position right now, I don't think his defense is going to prevent him from, you know, playing in games. And like you said, in these weekly leagues or even the bi-weekly leagues like NFBC, it's just going to be too frustrating when you put him in your lineup on a Friday and then he only plays that Friday, doesn't play Saturday or Sunday. And, and I think this is one of those years where you're just going to need every single plate appearance. And I, I just don't know how you're going to be outside of daily leagues. Now, in daily leagues, you can obviously, if you've got deeper benches, uh, guys who can pop in for him uh, when he's sitting, uh, obviously that's a, you know, that's an option, but in weekly leagues and these bi weekly leagues like NFBC, I just, I can't see using him. Uh, Jason, where are you at on Andujar? So, and I, your point about Andujar and Solak is interesting. You know, both of them have the reputation of not being able to play defense. Well, yeah, with, with Solak's case, if you have to put that in context, like, uh, Solak uh, context rather uh, Solak came up in the Tampa Bay organization at the same time that Brandon Lau was coming up in the organization both play second base it's pretty clear which one they believed in because they gave Lau the the pre you know the the big deal uh, they gave him the bought out all of his uh, arb years and they traded Solak for Peter Fairbanks and I forgot what else uh, right so they did that trade so he can he could play play second base so at least he's got a place where he could go if they need him whereas Andujar has never proven to be a has, has a defensive home anywhere the problem is even if somebody gets hurt you try to look your way through that roster it's like and there's there's so many options there in New York if something were to happen so let's say judges stiff neck is more than that they still have Talkman they still have Frazier they still have Mike Ford they still have a lot of different options they can use and so there's still not a it's, it's more than just one guy going down okay we have another guy that can replace them even if one guy goes down, it could be a platoon of guys that replace him. So if Judge goes down, perhaps it's Andor and Talkman that take over those uh, those plate appearances. That's why I, I I like the bat, but I just don't like where the bat lives. Yeah, I, he needs a trade to a team that can just use him full time. 
uh, at DH. But as we've seen with uh, guys like Frazier, the Yankees are totally fine just wasting away talent on their on their bench or in the minor leagues. So well, it's because the talent they have that other teams can't use against them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, maybe with the DH now coming to the National League, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see them be willing to kind of jettison some players like that off. Uh, but I highly doubt it. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to another guy who's coming back from injury, and that is Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Nimmo is uh, at this point looking like he may be the leadoff hitter on the New York Mets. Uh, who I saw, I think it was late last night. Derek Cardi said the bat projects the Mets to have the best lineup in the National League, uh, which is a bit crazy to me. But it's it's a pretty decent lineup if uh, guys are healthy like Cespedes and Nimmo. So. Jason, where are you taking, or where would you uh, take Brandon Nimmo if you did have a draft? <laughs> it's like it's like the, the be able to say that feels like a Mets curse because if you look at it on paper, you're like, you know what? This is a very mm-hmm. interesting lineup with Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, Cano, Davis, Conforto, Ramos, Smith, Rosario. It's like that's pretty good. Uh, and Nimmo, I've been a longtime fan and sucker for just because of his on base abilities. I mean, even with all of his issues. All of his issues in his career, he has a 387 OBP. It's like cheap Adam Eaton. Uh, and if he could run a little more, the problem is he's always had back, especially neck issues with Nemo, and he only has one full season. But again, 387 on base average. Uh, so if you're in an OBP league, you can get him on a discount now, grab him because that's what he does exceedingly well. You just have to hope he stays healthy. But if he's going to hit at the top of that lineup, that could be really good. Uh, and that's where I'd be excited. I'm, I'm you know, not that I was ever out on Nemo. But I would definitely be back in just because of the depth of the lineup and his ability to set the table for those other guys. Shelly, this is a guy that I took in that draft against you at the AFL, and I'm pretty stoked uh, that I think I got him outside the top 250, top 300 picks. Uh, Am I going to regret that pick? Uh, No, you're not. Uh, I am a big, big Nemo fan, Like especially uh, in this shortened season. like You want leadoff hitters. I mean, you want leadoff hitters even in like a 162 season, but if you can get as many ABs, I mean, that's just, you know, just that is what you really should be kind of focusing on is drafting ABs. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I love, I love Nemo and uh, I, I'm really excited to see how the Mets do this year. Cause that, yeah, like you said, that lineup is uh, pretty sneaky. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Nemo and he's one of those guys that I'm grabbing late in the outfield. The more and more I talk about it, the more and more I think I may just push, uh, you know, the the top outfielders down a little bit in my overall ranks and really just grab a lot of these late outfielders because he's uh, another one that just seems like uh, offering really great value uh, currently at pick three thirteen so far in those online championship sprints. Uh, going around guys like Robinson Chirinos uh, and the next guy we're actually going to talk about. So I'll use that as a transition. Going to pick 315 is Justin Smoke, another guy I have been pretty high on, especially with the DH coming to the National League. So Shelly, what are your thoughts on Justin Smoke in a bounce back year? Um, I mean, I uh, you said what, three, what was his? Three 315. Yeah, I mean that's 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 perfect. I mean, because I mean, yeah, he's not going to give you a lot of average, but I mean, he's going to give you a lot of power, and especially going to Milwaukee. I mean, that's just that's so so good. And then hitting behind Yelich, Braun, Hira, uh, that that's pretty good. And you got Avisel Garcia right behind you. It, the it's the average is really going to suck. 
don't don't if if you are unless you want to like totally you know uh punt average uh you're gonna need some some cushion for him but uh, i i like it uh that late and getting you know you know nine ten eleven home runs in this shortened season love it jason where are you at on uh mr smoke yeah, Universal DH definitely enhanced his value. I, I'm much higher on him right now than I was in March drafts uh, because with that opening up, they can move Braun to DH where he belongs and then let Smoke play first base. I mean, even last year, you look what he did in Toronto. He was top 25th percentile in the expected stats, and he can still put a charge into a ball. Uh, and so Milwaukee is obviously a really nice landing spot uh, for him, leaving uh, leaving what he had in Toronto in the ALE. So uh, the average... Even though the average was a drag, even last year's expected batting average was 250, putting him right at league average. So you know, we'll see what's uh, what's possible for him. But there's hidden power value there. I would like chalk that up with the with the Jay Bruce uh, type of situation. Somebody whose value was greatly enhanced by the by the DH being added to the NL. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I drafted him uh, in the Tout Wars auction, the NL Tout Wars auction. Spent a little bit more. Uh, than I expected just because uh, first base uh, really ran kind of thin uh, towards the end of that auction. But uh, I'm getting lucky with the DH coming to the National League. Uh, he should get a chance to hit pretty much every day. I know Roster Resource has him batting six, but platooning. Uh, I just, are they really going to put in Ryan Healy or Jed Jerko into that spot? I just, I just don't think that that necessarily is what they want to do. And they've got other guys on that team, uh, that may need to platoon as well, including Eric Sogard, uh, who uh, I like is a a really, really, really cheap option in, in deeper leagues. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back on the Justin Smoke, uh, bandwagon, uh, though I, I don't know that I actually ever really laughed. A stat cast hero that, uh, Got a bit unlucky last year, and so yeah, I do. I do expect to bounce back here. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of my awful giants, and uh, in, in particular, we're going to talk about Johnny Cueto, who is projected right now to be the opening day starter for the Giants. Uh, he looks good so far in camp, coming uh, re- coming back from uh, the Tommy John surgery. So, Jason. I know you're a guy that tends to want to avoid Tommy John guys, but is Johnny Cueto someone you might take the shot on considering how cheap he is? Uh, it depends how he's going to be used. I mean, the Giants are out there saying that they want to get, I think the exact quote I read, they're ready to get weird. And, they, uh, you know, when you look at the depth that they have, they have they have quantity. Obviously, if you look at the, the entirety of the pitching staff, Gaussman's intriguing with the splitter, Drew Smiley in spots, uh, Shark. So they've got quantity. And if they're going to use Cueto, uh, as part of that equation, I'm intrigued. If they're going to use him as a sponge to soak up things, keep me away. Uh, Shelly, are you interested at all in Cueto? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I would take a, a late flyer on him and just kind of see, you know, what uh, what he looks like, what the Giants are going to do with him, and then maybe just, uh, you know, just play the matchups, really. Yeah, I... That's how I felt originally, and then I looked at the Giants' schedule starting off. Um, and so here's if he was to pitch every fifth game, his uh, his first four games are going to be against the Dodgers, the Padres, in Colorado, and then at Houston. 
well, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he's able to uh, miss out on the that at Houston, it's at the Dodgers. So, like, the Giants' starting schedule uh, for the first uh, almost month of the season is absolutely brutal. So I am really jettisoning a lot of my... Uh, Giants pitcher, uh, you know, guys that I've that I've drafted. So I've been super high on Jeff Samarja. Everybody knows how much I love him. Yeah, he's probably going to be my first cut because I just don't know where I'm going to be able to use him. Uh, and it's just and it's a bummer because I really like uh, Jeff Samarja. I you know I want to like uh, Johnny Cueto. I want to buy in on a cheap uh, Kevin Gosman, but I just that that schedule is too brutal to start. And it's uh, you've just got to you know, play it a bit safer in this shortened season because one or two bad starts from a pitcher ruins that season, and uh, I'm just not willing to take the risk. So uh, Giants pitchers uh, are, are going to be a no-go for me the rest of the way. All right, let's, uh, I think we have one last guy, a guy, we're going to go from a guy that I've loved historically to a guy I've hated historically, uh, and that's Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker has been uh, one of those guys where, People in the industry have really just been stoked on his uh, upside. He's 26 years old, uh, going to be 27 this year. He had 16 home runs in uh, 113 games before getting injured last year. So, Shelly, is this finally the time where Jesse Winker puts it all together? I, I, I really hope so. I mean, I, uh, but, uh, he's burned me too many times. I probably am going to steer away. I mean, the, the Reds, uh, lineup is, is pretty stacked and we all know that Winker can't hit lefties. So he's going to be platooned and that's definitely not, uh, what you want in this really short season. You want, uh, you want those ABs. Uh, so I just don't think that we're going to get, uh, a lot of ABs, uh, from Winker. So, as much as I love the dude, not not this year. Not for me. Jason, where are you at on Winker? In a single league, if I'm an NL format, more intrigued. But to the, you, you can't take the plate appearance risk uh, in, in a mixed league uh, over this short season with him. And that is the risk. I mean, the, the Reds last year gave him 43 at-bats against lefties. And he had exactly zero home runs and hit 163 points higher than I did against lefties last year. So uh, that's that's problematic. I can't take that chance in a in a mixed league. Maybe if I'm in one of those crazy 18 team mixed leagues, but 15 reserves, 12, not a chance. Uh, because even if he does get the full playing time, it, that's going to drag down. It that's going to drag down the numbers overall, unless he pulls one of these crazy one year reverse splits types of things that tend to float out there uh, every now and then. But I, I can't, I can't get excited about him unless I'm in an NL only format where I'm like, yeah, I could take a shot there. But that's, that's about the extent of my um, attitude for him. Yeah. Like Shelly said, he, he's not going to hit against lefties. They're going to platoon him with Philip Irvin. Uh, I mean, you love the park, you love the division, you love the team he plays on, but I just think there's too much risk that in this shortened season where the Reds are obviously had plans of kind of going all in this year that they just decide he's not if he's not hitting well that he's just going to hit the bench uh, or go back down to the minors. I mean, don't forget they still have guys in, you know, in their player pool uh, that we thought would be up with a team like uh Aquino who who's not on the 30 man roster to start the season. So, uh not only could Winker hit the bench, he could go back down into that minor league player pool or whatever they're calling it, uh, and not even be on the 30-man roster. So I'm just I'm just not willing to take the risk 
that a guy that I draft isn't going to play at all. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for us today. Shelly, thank you for joining us. Yeah, this was this was great. Again, thanks uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. But now, but now I only have I have one less podcast to listen to, so <laughs> now I'm upset. <laughs> well, this is what's called this is what James Clear calls habit stacking. It's like trying to do two things you like to do at once. So typically, it's like okay, you go to the gym and you listen to a podcast while you're at the gym, and you've habit stacked. But here, you both listened and contributed to the same thing. Well, I'm sure your husband will want to listen, so you can just, you know, kind of uh, listen to his his playing of it, so that way you still get in the listening, Um, though I'm with you, I have a really hard time listening to myself, so I I just can't do it, Uh, I I don't know how everybody else does. Um, Why don't you remind people where you can reach on social media, and then plug everything you're doing. Uh, Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter at uh, ShellyV underscore 643. Um, I have something coming out on the Dynasty Guru about uh, Dynasty catchers and maybe that we are uh, we should probably like draft them differently uh, because there's a lot of interesting young catchers. Um, And then I'm just, you know, writing about prospects over on uh, Pitcher List. Awesome. Jason, where can we reach? What are you working on? So uh, the Twitter thing at Jason Collette, uh, the piece, my latest Collette calls, I'm now restarting that column now that we have something to write about. Uh, so first one I'll hit, it's going into the editors tonight uh, because my writing sucks and they've got to edit me heavily. Uh, but it talks about the, the pitching landscape and how things are changing, looking at uh, where how the, the gap between starting pitcher and relief pitcher contribution uh, is is lessening and it will probably going to overtake one another. like the percentage of wins that went to starting pitchers last year was the lowest it has ever been. Uh, and the w- relief wins keep going up and we're probably going to see that flip this year where relievers are winning more games than starters uh, just because of teams talking about how they're going to have quicker hooks. They're talking about piggyback starting uh, using more openers. So we could see a lot of wins going to places where we're not drafting for them. So I think it's going to put more of an emphasis uh, on on uh, picking up the right guys during the fab process. A lot of leagues are starting their fabs next weekend uh, for the first one. And it's a good chance to reshuffle what your pitching rotation looks like because this is, if you're a traditional fantasy player, you are going to absolutely hate this season because it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it is going to be crazy. And I, I don't know why I continue to do more drafts other than the fact that I obviously <laughs> have a problem. <laughs> so uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can uh, hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, read all of my stuff on Fangraphs, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and TGFBI.com. And you can also hear my voice on this podcast, the TGFBI podcast, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. Uh, that will do it for us today. For Shelly, Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. See ya.